Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hello and welcome to the 361st episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Um, apologies to everyone. Um, for, for I guess I have, I have to apologize for a few things. It's both of my fault. Uh, the, first of all, I apologize for my audio quality this week. But I'm still out of town until midweek this week, and I didn't bring my uh, my recording microphone. So I am just recording with my headphones mic. So that's why I sound a bit different this week. But additionally, apologies for missing last week because last week was my um, 10 year anniversary that I that Lane and I started dating not not our wedding anniversary but our uh, dating anniversary so we went out of town for that so that's um that's why um we missed last week but anywho um I don't think I don't think we should have any any further interruptions but Sandy has a pretty big update so I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to Sandy if you want to go ahead and kick us off yeah so the um the big news that I'll sort of share here is that I gave notice to Updater uh, at this point two weeks ago, and it's uh, it was uh, a pretty uh, hard process to, to not only get to that point, but also just to say goodbye to a lot of my colleagues who I've been working with for almost four years, uh, a lot of uh, really human moments uh, mm-hmm. that I got to share and reminisce with uh, with some of my colleagues on my way out. Uh, but I gave notice. Uh, I'm no longer at Updater. It was an amazing four years, um, and now I am joining this uh, this other company that's based out of Boston called Path AI. Uh, they're in, they're a healthcare sort of startup. Um, nominally in the healthcare, like pharmaceutical space, the essentially the idea is to one of their main products is to use artificial intelligence to help board certified pathologists uh, come up with more accurate diagnoses that lead to more effective treatment. Um, and I just felt like a really compelling uh, mission to be a part of. And so uh, it just felt like one of those moments where, like, yeah, the uh, the opportunity just just sort of just made sense. And I personally have never worked in this industry before, and I like sort of changing industries uh, whenever I uh, look for a new opportunity, just so that I can be a pretty well diversified designer. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, uh, I guess, professionally. Uh, where I am now, very excited uh, to to get to work with the team. Um, but in the time between roles, I was actually able to decompress a little bit and uh, sort of walk through, uh, and I'll walk you through sort of what I did. And for those of you who are friends with me on Instagram, at uh, Sandy S. Zoo, you can feel free to uh, go to my profile and um what's it called go to my profile and click on my story and then you'll be able to see the fun employment series where uh you get to follow along with all of my adventures now some of the stuff got sort of left out because i realized that i should start to do this earlier <laughs> than i thought i did uh, or i guess earlier yeah. than when i actually started doing it um 
So, like, what the first thing I did was um, I dropped off some clothing at Goodwill to, like, start to donate stuff. And then I saw Spider-Man No Way Home with, like, three other people because somehow that movie was still in theaters, thank God. Um, so I finally caught up on that. One of the best Marvel movies that's ever been made, definitely. I think you and I were talking about it offhand, but, like, I think some of my top five uh like feature length movies because I, I don't think uh, it would be fair to do like marvel properties quite yet just because like something like wandavision or loki just had so many hours to like dig into a story and it's just like unfair to compare that uh but i think some of the top five marvel uh properties uh in my list in no in no particular order uh captain america winter soldier uh endgame uh, Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther, and then No Way Home, I'd say. Um, I think all of those movies are fantastic. Uh, I probably think that Thor, Ragnarok oh, yeah. is at the bottom of that list. Um, okay. I would then, yeah, I would probably then put Black Panther, and then I would probably put um, Winter Soldier, and then I would put No Way Home and then Endgame. I think Endgame was like the culmination of so many things. Uh, and it's like Endgame was just hard to beat. And also because it was like I saw it almost opening weekend. Everyone was cheering. It's just like such a shared uh, viewing experience just before the pandemic. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. So after that, I, I – go ahead. I, I wonder how much value nostalgia has in, in a ranking of the Marvel movies because, you know, like Iron Man 1 and 2, especially 2, I think, like, 2, I think, is a far, is one of, like, if you compare, if you like look at the movie just at face value, I feel like Iron Man 2 is probably one of the worst films. Yeah. And yet, it's one of, it was one of my favorite experiences when it first came out because oh, I didn't see Iron Man one when it first came when it came to theaters. I remember distinctly when it did come out and I could, because I remember thinking, why are they thinking Iron Man is the person that they're making a movie of? You know, like when you think of superhero movies at the time, you would think of Batman, Superman, uh, like Spider-Man, X-Men, like those are the type of, those are the type of movies. And, and, um, I, you know, being completely unaware of how like the uh, the licensing rights went with um with these different uh, characters and who can make movies of what i didn't understand right. that and like what what marvel actually had access to make movies of um and also like yeah. being unaware of the comics right like I, i'm sure there are plenty of comic book fans who were who were like absolutely thrilled to have iron man in a movie i just i hadn't heard of him really uh, at least much as a, as a uh, young college student but then like eventually seeing it on tv and really enjoying it seeing the incredible hulk in theaters and then seeing iron man 2 in theaters like that being i don't really i don't i don't know if you really call it incredible hulk part of the, the marvel cinematic universe although i am on their website and they do list incredible hulk in between the first two iron man movies um i feel like iron man 2 was like that first wow type of film for me and then um but yeah. i honestly feel like my list really mirrors yours um probably exactly like i'm trying to see what else I would throw in there and i don't think there's anything other i guess maybe guardians of the galaxy one would be one that i would like kind of yeah i was thinking about that too guardians of the galaxy one was so good yeah and and surprisingly so for me at least like that was when when guardians one came out um it came out between 
So it was uh, I'm looking at the uh, the list here. So we had uh, Avengers was the final the the finale of Phase One. So Phase Two had Iron Man Three, Thor: Dark World. Then uh, so like both those movies, like Iron Man Three was fun, but not also you know not a great movie either at the same time. Then Thor: Dark World, which I think it, most people agree is um, the worst or one of the worst Marvel movies. Then you had one of the best, Captain America: Winter Soldier, and then Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think Guardians was was one that I at least wasn't like, didn't I, I thought could could be a complete flop, um, and I was surprised that it was not, and, and very pleasantly surprised it was a good movie. Anyway, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, what was your next uh, event? Yeah, so I went from there. I went to the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and this is a funny bit. So like. Um, for all non like New York City residents, you have to pay essentially like twenty five dollars to get in. But if you have a New York City ID, it's pay oh. what you wish. Um, now, if there is a uh, if you have a library card, part of the New York Public Library system, there's something called a culture pass where you have to go into the culture like the you have to go into the library's portal to access culture pass and then find out when there's like available tickets. And you get to select one of these tickets per calendar year, uh, per museum, right? So I went on there. I didn't find anything for the Met. So I was like, all right, well, let's pay as you wish. So you're, you're all good to go. So I'm all confident getting to the Met. I show the person my ID. I'm like, this is my New York City ID. And they're like, pay what you, you know, what would you like? One ticket? Yep, one ticket. What would you have to pay? And in my mind, I go, not even in my mind, but, you know, in my, I sort of rehearse it. Like, what do I wish to pay? I wish to pay nothing. Uh, because it's pay what you wish, and there and before you could say that, and then they, yeah, yeah. so I I said all confident like nothing. I don't want to pay anything. Uh, they go no sir, wow. that's not how that works. And I like got so frazzled. Oh. I go uh 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 what what do you mean? What do you mean that's not how it works? Uh, they go you have to pay at least one dollar, and I was like well, I mean I will happily pay one dollar, but pay what you wish now seems a little misleading. Uh, but I also wonder yeah. if I'm just being super weird about like not wanting to pay anything. But anyways, I paid the dollar. I Pitch got in. Unless, as long as it's over a dollar. Yeah, right. Uh, and must be greater than one, I guess. Um, I also wonder, like, what if I gave him a nickel? Like, does that count? Because it's technically 10. You know what I mean? Like, um, but uh, so a lot of the... Uh, Exhibits are standing exhibits, so there's no need for me to see those. But the two new exhibits that I wanted to go see were Dutch Masters, which was uh, all the like this Rembrandt stuff that they had, and they had uh, another um, exhibit on Walt Disney's work, which I thought was really cool because it was essentially like all the stuff that uh, inspired Walt Disney to do like. You know, why did he pick these stories? And it turns out there was a French storyteller from like the 17th century who wrote all these stories that he essentially like animated. So Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, these aren't like technically original works by him. These are like, it's almost like, you know, uh, the Brothers Grimm, like those stories that you like repurpose. Yeah. Um, uh, like sort of uh was it the lady uh, you know little red riding hood and all that stuff it's something similar akin to that so it was cool to see like where he got his uh not only his artistic in uh, inspiration from but also um how they designed all the parks so like there was this whole section of the gates to every single disney world and like 
you could see the architectural drawing and the notes to be like, well, these are how these towers should look, and it should always be off off center a little bit and all that jazz. So that was really cool to see. Um, I also got to go to the uh, Museum of Natural History. Uh, that was pretty neat because uh, you get to see like a life-size blue whale. Uh, you get to see a lot of dinosaur uh, skeletons. So I, li- I like seeing that every now and then, you know, because you can get pretty close to it. And it's pretty dope to, yeah. to see that shit. Um, I also got to see a blue diamond. They were doing like a gemstones exhibit. And hmm. they were saying that blue diamonds are really rare because really? diamonds naturally can like trap gas. And the most common gas tends to be nitrogen, and nitrogen can come out either yellow or brown. Uh, and so, like, that's, like, kind of cool that it traps nitrogen, but nitrogen's also really um, a little common uh, comparatively, but... So, so that effectively is why you would have, like, a yellow diamond. Yeah, to a degree. Um, it, or it... Yeah, okay. but with blue, you're trapping boron gas, I think, which is like a much rarer natural gas. And not only did it trap it, but it was like a 20-carat diamond. So it was really big, and it looked pretty blue. It wasn't like – I don't want to make it sound like it was a, a sapphire, you know, because that's like a, just a different kind of stone. But this was just like a clear uh, diamond with like a blue, like a pretty noticeable blue hint to it. And so I just want to make sure that like you're not picturing a sapphire because obviously sapphire is like very, very blue. Um, But anyway, so so that was a museum of natural history. Uh, And then I also real quick on that on the blue diamond. uh, I I just looked up a few pictures so you could definitely like diamondspro.com. So no, just diamonds.pro. They have a little bit of info on blue diamonds. So the average price of a half carat light blue diamond is twenty six thousand two hundred eighty dollars. Yeah, half carat. That's a lot of money. Half carat. <laughs> that's half a carat. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of All money. Right. All right, I understand. Yeah. yeah, I also got to go. And to... you're right. It's it's boron. Yeah, is it boron? Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but also like you can't think of carat and pricing in like a linear scale. Right, because one carat, I'm sure, is not just twenty six times two. It's probably yeah, like exactly. seventy or eighty. Um, so you, I can only imagine what twenty carats, like how many millions that's got to be. Uh, yeah, it says, uh, for instance, this point uh, eight four fancy intense blue marquee diamond is priced at three hundred thirty six thousand dollars, and of course, exactly you know, takes into a different accounts of you know. Uh, I, I guess clarity and, and, and yeah, other imperfections. Clarity, cut, carrot. Yeah, you know, you're going from what did I say, twenty six thousand dollars, and jumping all the way up to yeah, to three hundred some thousand dollars. It's a big difference, right? Um, I also one of the days I got lunch uh, with a friend, and then uh, I went to a uh, board game store. So there's this board game store called the Complete Strategist, and there's a photo on my Instagram, but it's essentially like a hole in the wall store, and they and they'll also host like D and D campaigns in the back. But it's just floor to ceiling board games, and they're really knowledgeable about board games. So I like I'll go in there for field research to be like, this is you know I'm looking to play with this many people. These are the game mechanics that we like. Can you recommend me a game that I might not have? Yeah. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, it's sort of like a nerd paradise of like just. It reminds me of like going into like 
electronics boutique, I'll say, <laughs> or game. Now what's commonly known as GameStop. Right, right. I think I went from electronics boutique to EB Games. To yeah, but I think I think the, um, this the the classic EB, especially going back to when we were kids, is how much how nerdy of a hobby gaming was. Right, like you were embarrassed to say that. Oh yeah, games because people would look at you like, what are you three? Or or really just what are you a nerd? Like that was really it. Yeah. Yeah, this is before nerd culture yes, was like acceptable, yes. um, or at least at least way less mainstream. Because I remember when I used to go to EB Games, it was to buy computer <laughs> games, like PC games. That's like how how many generations ago. Um, I also wonder what like a, a Sims One game would look like on a four K monitor if it like even like has a capability yeah. to get up res in any way. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's not a here nor there. Um, I uh, I also went to the Cooper Hewitt Museum, which is like a Smithsonian partner museum, but Cooper Hewitt is like a design school, and so it's all about product design stuff. Oh, and so cool. I, I went there specifically because they were talking about design during COVID, and so they talked about all the different like facial masks that were designed. Uh, they talked about what social distancing meant. They talked about they showed like hot new hospital design to ensure better air quality, better airflow. Uh, they also showed uh, a prototype of essentially a super mini, uh, what's it called, shipping container that had been re-engineered to be like an ICU unit that was like negatively pressurized to like cool. keep it all like super yeah. clean. And they just showed like, oh, you can like really. Uh, deploy one of these in like a sort of uh, a hot spot very quickly and because it's a very scalable solution you're uh, just picture like a moon base with a lot, a lot of different like hallway connectors but via like rubberized hosing that somebody would walk through into like different wings um, and so that was really cool to see in person and i also bought a book because obviously i'm entering into like healthcare design now with my new with my new job, so the uh, the book that I bought was Health Design Thinking, um, and it was essentially like all of these uh, white paper use cases or uh, you know white papers on uh, design scenarios uh, across the healthcare sort of space. So it was just like it was just a really nice um, like uh, reference book that I bought. Um, so that was really cool. And then I also went to the Asia Society Museum, which is on 70th Park. I never go in there because it's like, I always forget that it's a museum. And it's always a hyper-specific exhibit. So they don't do standing exhibits. They just do like exhibits for like different things that come in. And for this one, it was all based on Persian artists, uh, mostly Iranian artists that were like trying to show their own take on not only the regime that they were living under but like society as a whole and i took a lot of great photos there's like some really um really interesting and thought-provoking pieces and i was only like one of two people in the entire museum so it's just funny because everywhere i walked like all of the museum people who were like standing in the room would just like sort of follow me around uh and you just hear them breathing but it was just like it was just cool to like stand there and be able to appreciate an entire museum by yourself you know what i mean just like going during like off hours and whatnot they thought you were killing Um, but exactly how much is this worth (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, is this made out of uh, vibranium? 
Uh, sir, that was a movie. Uh- <laughs> that sounds really cool, though. Um, but, what, uh, what years are we talking with yeah. uh, with those art with those artists that you said they were talking about, like the like, so like, like the uh, from the eighties to now, okay. I'll say. Okay, like post revolution. So a lot of it had like political uh, undertones. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, which is re- I mean, it was really cool, and uh, if you're interested, ever interested, I'd love to go see it with you again. Yeah. Um, but you know. That one I used a culture pass, so I was able to get in for free, and I'm only allowed to do that once per year. But Carolyn also has a library pass, so she can get us in. Um, anyways, uh, so I saw that. Uh, it was also fun to like get lunch by myself outdoors. So like I never eat lunch outdoors when I'm working. Uh, I'm always just like heating up food and then sitting at my yep. desk and eating it. Uh, but what was really cool about this was like just like walking to like restaurants, just be like, yeah, nope, just table for me, and uh, nope, just eating by the window by myself, like reading the New York Times while I'm eating ramen or something. Um, I thought that was like really cool because I like never get yeah, to do that. Absolutely, you know I mean? it's nice. Um, and then what else? What else did I do? Oh, and then so like. All of these museums are like pretty exhausting to go through because you're yeah. like on your feet all day, and I'm like walking around. Another thing was like I just want to spend as much time outside as possible because I'm usually again indoors, and so it was a little bit chilly outside, but it was just like nice to like breathe out, breathe in the air outside. But then I saw Batman. Uh, right. I saw it at 8 a.m. IMAX showing, and what was cool was it only cost me like six bucks. Really? Because not only was it a matinee showing, but I paid via PayPal and I used like my Google oh, Rewards wow. money to. Uh, RIP to Microsoft Rewards. They can go fuck themselves. Um, but um, Google Rewards, I had like 20-some dollars. So when I use PayPal to pay, I use like my PayPal balance. Awesome. And it only cost me six bucks to watch an IMAX movie, which Yeah. Well, you, how wild. many people were in that theater? Because you saw that opening day, right? So was, I assume it was still packed. Uh, well, the first opening full day, I'd say, because they had showings on Thursday night. And right, the right, movie right. theater was probably 95% full at 8 a.m. on a Friday. That's crazy. And it's a three-hour yeah. movie. Yeah. I'm looking forward to yeah, seeing Yeah, I that. got out at like 11.30, I'd say. Okay, that's really good to miss. Yeah, maybe Elaine and I are going to have to push this a little bit longer. Because I was thinking we could see it like during lunch one day. We've, we haven't been to the theaters nah. in a long time. And we can't see, we can't see movies because... You know, we, we can't leave going right. home alone. So oh, the only the only viable time is when he's in daycare, but to cut out like three, and really just say three and a half hours yeah. because of commute time or whatever else, getting ready. That's a, that's a that's a really, really long lunch. So we'll probably have to push this one. Yeah, so, so let me ask you a question. Um, how much do you want me to not – I don't want to talk about the movie because I don't want to like ruin any of it for you. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to talk about anything about the movie? Do you want me to hold off until you've seen it? Uh I would. I mean, as long as you're not talking about like, plot points or anything, I'm fine. So. Yeah. So I'll definitely not talk about any kind of plot points. Yeah. Um, the pro tip about this movie is to definitely use the bathroom like as close to showtime as possible, because by the end of it, I like really needed to pee. Yeah. Um, and there's like 20 minutes of previews, so you're like, don't feel bad about like. I would say go to the bathroom during the previews. There's nothing in the previews that you haven't seen. <laughs> okay. It's like. They're going to show you the Mobius trailer. They're going to show you uh, Doctor Strange, Madness in the Multiverse. Like These are all movies you've already seen before, right, like right. trailers you've already seen before. So there isn't like a new trailer for a movie that's like, oh my gosh, I have to see this. Um, so definitely use the bathroom. 
and it is the darkest Batman movie you've ever seen. Like even people so keep saying Knight. that like people keep saying that the Dark Knight is the darkest movie ever, and I agree to a point. I think the Dark Knight was it still had a lot of humor to it. Um, but, like, yes, the Joker was, like, the most unhinged character you had ever seen up until that point. Uh, but overall, like, it was still a pretty, like, globe-trotting, pristine Gotham that we had seen. Right. Like, I could argue that, uh, the third Batman movie with Bane was, like, a little bit darker. Just because of, like, the sort of subject matter of, like, oh, you were said you had broken Batman's back and he has to come back. You know, there's a little bit, like, darker sort of bit around that. But in this movie, it starts out super dark and it never relents. Think think of it more like it takes place in the Arkham Knight movie game, movie sort of genre, okay. or the, uh, the the video yeah. game world. Because uh, you played those right. games, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, so just, just think of it that way. It's a really good movie. Everyone does a fantastic job. And I think it's my favorite Batman um, out of all the Batman. I think Dark Knight's a, a, a certainly a close second after this one, but Robert Pattinson does a phenomenal job. There's a lot of great on-screen chemistry with him and like uh, the people around him. And I think it's an intriguing and very well-done story. Um, and if hopefully this is a new trilogy of Batman, because if it is, this is a phenomenal first movie into a trilogy. And if this is how they start the trilogy... My gosh, I can't wait to see what happens next. So that's all I'll say about the movie. It's definitely worth your time. So what happens with uh, Ben Affleck's um, Batman? And is this is this in the same universe as like the Justice League films and as the uh, the Batman vs Superman movie? I don't think it is. I think oh, this really? is a standalone Batman story. Oh. I'm so used to everything being like so intertwined and such that I guess I thought that this was yeah. this was in that universe and. That's that's really interesting. This is so, closer. This is closer to like origin story status than like right. Justice League. Everything's connected status. And who plays? Because uh, Ben Affleck is also a much older Batman. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it's like it's he's seasoned. He, he's he's seen some shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. This is Robert Pattinson. Okay. A much younger Batman. And who plays Joker? A much more human Batman. Or too. is Joker in this movie? Well, I don't okay, know. I guess you don't know. I guess Rid- Riddler is the primary dude. So, um, okay, all right. That's yeah. that's uh, that's uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So well, that's that's really cool. Yeah, and then uh, right to round out everything, um, I uh, Carol and I we got our long runs in, and so we're still training for like our half marathon, which will be coming up in a few weeks. Um, so I got a nice seven miler in and it was the first time I had run seven miles in like in over two years, I'd say. Wow. Um, and it just felt nice cause I don't know how cold it's been up by you before you went for the key or left for the keys, but, uh, in New York, it's been like below freezing, uh, or at least below zero, I'll say, because yeah. below zero and below freezing, yeah. I guess are yeah. different to a degree. Is that true? That's not true. Below yeah. zero is below freezing. It's well Celsius because yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's but you know if if uh, for our non-American friends, you know, below uh, Celsius wise, yeah. but yeah, in uh, that's actually so. What I found the difference, like 
I guess I'm talking one year, so it's difficult to talk about patterns, but the difference that I've noticed between like Delaware weather and uh, the weather in Illinois, or at least northern Illinois, is just how much colder it is. We didn't really get that much more snow than we would have had we been in Delaware. I'm sure we did get like, a bit more, maybe a few inches more um, over the course of the season. But, um, I mean, we were, we were below freezing a lot. <laughs> like, there were, I felt like most of the days it was like, I don't know, 10, 10 to 20, um, mm-hmm. you know, when it was rare to get above freezing. So there was snow that we had gotten in, I think it was the beginning of January and we didn't get above freezing until maybe like February, like the start of February when we were that snow, that like six inches of snow that we had received a whole, a whole month earlier actually was able to melt away. Like the snow just stuck around for a really, really long time. It was just ice, just perpetual ice. <laughs> I guess is what it was. Um, so yeah, definitely very cold and, and being in Florida is very nice. It's uh, like 80 degrees all the time. Yesterday we went out to a strawberry festival and, uh, I was just sweating my ass off the whole time. It was terrible. I wanted to get out. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, it was just nicer because it was in 45 degree weather, which I've just come to realize is like my favorite running weather because you start out cold for sure. But as you're running, your body heats up and you sort of enter into this like flow state where as you're warm, you're breathing in cool air, but it's not cold enough where it like dries out your throat and you're sort of like coughing and hacking up phlegm. Um, But you're also not overheating because like when you run in the summertime, when it gets too high, you can feel lightheaded. And so it just feels like the cold air around you is doing just it's like working in tandem with your body heat so you can feel almost like it's room temp outside and so yeah with that it just felt easy not easy but felt much more doable and i felt very strong to bang out seven miles um and then this morning carol and i in the rain ran a 5k race um to continue like our nine plus one program, which is the most common way for New York City residents and, and you know surrounding boroughs uh, and, and areas, uh, our most easy way to gain entry into New York City Marathon. So for like for example for the Chicago Marathon, um, I have to fundraise for that. So I'm gonna be bothering all my friends and family about like, hey, please donate to this to help me run this thing. Um, but like with the New York City Marathon, all we have to do is run nine qualifying races throughout the year and volunteer at one, and then we are guaranteed entry into the race. Now, granted, we still have to pay for the marathon entry fee, which is around two hundred fifty dollars. But okay. you essentially like don't have to rely on a lottery to get in; you are guaranteed entry. Um, gotcha. And so that's what we're doing right now, just to help Carolyn like. Uh, and I gain entry into next year's New York City Marathon. Because I think there's something really exciting about running in the New York City Marathon as a New Yorker training in the fall. Uh, like Marathon Sunday in New York City is one of like the most magical times of the year, I'll say. It's like one of the rare moments in the city where like everyone's sort of like in their own space doing their own thing to come out and be a community in like all five boroughs and just like cheer you on while you're running. You'll never get that feeling at any point else in New York City. Like how many times have you been in New York City where people are like cheering people on? It's like nobody does that. Yeah, I, I'll definitely say that as a spectator at, at um, 
So the, the the Brooklyn Half Marathon, but of course the, the the New York City Marathon when you ran it, what was it, like 2018 or something? Um, was it 18 or was it 19? Was it? Um, I have no idea what year it was. Sorry, it couldn't have been 19, right? Uh, correct. Anyway, um, no, uh, no, I think it. No, it was 18. Okay. It was 2018. Yeah, I, was like, I don't because because Gordon wasn't born yet. And uh, Lena was was not pregnant, I recall. So, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Car- Carolyn and I were running the. Well, I was running the Berlin Marathon in twenty. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So that's why I didn't run the New York gotcha. City Marathon. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it was a bit like overwhelming. It's like there are people at, everywhere you go. Like every inch of the race, it seemed like there were just it was just packed with people, and everyone was cheering somebody on. Most people were just cheering people on who they didn't know and admiring the different, like some of the runners, like outfits and costumes. Like also, mad props to those people who like to, who like who are out there running in like a big bird costume or something. You know, like people get really crazy with it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, just one of those things where it's like it's super. Uh, it's a super nice moment um, to have an experience. So that's what we're training for. So, anyways. All that being said, getting ready to like kick things off uh, with a new role. Got my computer set up. Uh, I also uh, am using uh, one of Carolyn's extra work monitors. Uh, she got two work monitors. Uh, they're both ginormous 32-inch 4K IPS. Uh, e greater than or E less than two, I think. I don't even know what these things are quoting you about. Um, but unfortunately my work laptop, which I'm super grateful for because it has an M1 chip in it. Um, it's the M1 pro, which is, I think the first iteration of the, uh, the M1 chip. And so it can only support up to two, um, or really, I think it's just 6,000, um, pixels. So that's usually just two monitors. Um, but the M1 Max, which is like the super high-end M1 chip. Now, I know that there's a lot of rumors yeah. going around because there's an Apple event this week where not only will they uh, uh, yeah, announce the S- new SE phones, uh, but the, uh, they'll also be announcing the new M2 chips, yeah. which I think is the next iteration of chips. Uh, and I'm sure that it'll be able to support more because if it can dude i would love to have three screens up and we have two extra monitors sitting right now in the closet that's how many monitors we have in our in our tiny apartment right now she has she's using 132 inch i'm using a 32 inch and a 27 inch next to it both horizontal but my dream is to have more monitors (laughs) i don't know this thing that's too many monitors i think it'd be really crazy to have two 32 inch monitors next to each other I'm also wondering if it makes sense to have like one ex- like extra widescreen monitor, but I like the idea of having separate monitors just so that if I'm right, play right. video games and be online at the same time yeah. on the computer that I can support. Well, that. I definitely understand the, uh, the monitor session. Um, Lane and I are, we, yeah. we are very guilty of having way too many monitors. And um, I feel like I've, I found my home for a bit. I only use two monitors. Um, I have two 27 inch monitors, but that was actually partially partial just due to legacy of my old desk. And it wasn't really big enough to support a third monitor at this point. I technically could, but I'm just so used to using two that I don't really have much need for a third, especially just like when I'm 
using my personal computer. Um, and I already know that my, uh, actually, you know, I, I, I don't actually know if my work computer would be able to handle three. Um, I only ever used two, two like external monitors. So um, I didn't have a need to try for a third, but I'm kind of curious. So I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Do you, is one of your monitors vertical? Or are they both landscape orientation? Both landscape. I don't, uh, I, like, there are times when I would benefit from having a, uh, a portrait monitor, but I've been using landscape monitors my whole life. I just, I think it would take a lot of time to get used to, and I just, and I don't have a need for it. So I think that's why I never bothered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, what's it called right now? I am, I like using landscape, but in the past I've had two landscapes and a portrait. And what's, what's nice about portrait is having like my email and my Slack almost like off to the side. So it's almost like a dedicated screen for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then that way I can have a dedicated screen to like my design file, which I like always having full screen. I never like having anything else on that particular screen. I don't like have managing multiple windows on my design screen. And then everything else is like, you know, the, uh, the, the reading that I'm doing to help facilitate the design or what have you. So it's almost like design work, a screen that supplements design work. And then like my communication stuff off to the side. Um, but right now I'm still getting used to the size of this 32 inch screen because it's not only 32 inch, but it's in true 4k. And my yeah. gosh, this content looks so nice on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like just too clear. Like when I tried playing the Xbox on it, um, even that was just like, I know it had like, people were complaining that like, this is a considered a professional monitor and it's really good for like images and colors. But it's not always good, they said, for movies because there could be bleeding and screen tearing. But I have yet to really experience that. Um, and I was just playing like a first-person shooter like Battlefield Five, where there's like a lot of stuff going on. And it felt like the frame rate was really sound. It was essentially 4K at yep. 60. Um, maybe not 4K at 60. Okay. Maybe 4K at 30. Um, and 10, 4, uh, 1440p at 60. But like I was playing Forza on it. And it like it held up quite well. Yeah, also. the... Uh... So that's why I like, think my next game that I want to try is uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I hear it's the best looking Assassin's Creed game. And I have, it's funny, I have a, a Valhalla, Odyssey, and um, what's the... Was it Origins? Is it, is Origins the one in yeah, Egypt? Yeah, I feel like that's what it is. I have uh Yeah, well I have all yeah, three of those. You've never played And it. I haven't played yeah. any of them. I played, a, I played like 60 hours of Odyssey and I feel like I never got anywhere in it. So... <laughs> Yeah. Um, I also downloaded, uh, rather, I bought uh, the Tomb Raider trilogy. Um, yeah. Because I played the first one. I never really played the second or the third one. I think there's just like maybe Duty had come right. out at I, some point or something. And I, I think like, this one you the second one too. Rise. Rise of the Tomb Raider. I, I don't know. I remember I played you. it you at some point. I know um, I saw you playing some of that game. But maybe you did just play it a little bit and never actually finished it. Yeah, but I bought it because it was like the whole trilogy was available for like 20 bucks. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy this. So maybe I'll play that instead because it just seems like such a more linear story. 
And, like, I just have been so afraid to start Valhalla because I was like, oh, it's an 80-hour game. Like, I don't have... It will. Dude, it's going to take me, like, years to finish that game. You know what I mean? Especially because knowing you, you're going to play the game the same way. I don't know if I'm interested. You're going to try to 100% everything. You're going to start wandering around for no reason. Like, it's an 80-hour game if you go from point A to point B to point C, like, with the way they tell you to go. And, like, the instant that they give you some level of free roam, they're going to tell you to go uh, yeah. east, and you're going to go as far west as you possibly can because you want to see. Oh, you see, know. <laughs> you want to see, A, can I beat those people up over there? And, B, well, if I can't beat them up, I'm going to I'm gonna make sure I level myself up before I even remotely go to the east the way they told me to go so I can kill everybody over this side. <laughs> exactly. And it also, like, reminds me of the way that I used to play CD Projekt Red's uh, Cyberpunk. Oh, okay. Uh, Witcher 3. And also, um, yeah, there's that. And also uh, Witcher 3. And also, uh, what was the game? Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, it just took me forever to, to make it through those games. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, that's the tough part. Like it, some sometimes it really is. It sometimes it's really nice to just play a story driven single player game because while you might have the time, like you know, feasibly, you, if you if that's what you did every single time that you signed on to game, you get done eventually. Maybe it take you like a couple months. But think back to yourself, like you know, the the sanity of twenty twelve. Um, you know that that hundred hour adventure could could well, very well be done within a month. And that's just not your life anymore. You, you, you're, you're not. There's no shot that exactly. you're gonna want to sit down, like be committed to sit there and play Assassin's Creed every single, you know, session. I can't even say every single day. You know, like three times a week for like the course of three or four months. Like, let, let's be real, it's not gonna happen. So I totally understand. It's a long, it's a long commitment, yeah. and you have no idea if you're really gonna want to dedicate that time to that game. Yeah, so um, that's really it. Just wanted to give everyone a sense of like what's been going on, uh, where I'm headed off to, and uh, I still yeah. think you guys that you and I should play Battlefield Five. I'm putting a lot more time into Battlefield Five. I am gnarly at that game, dude. I very frequently wow. am at the top of the leaderboard. Um, it's usually me and someone who's flying a plane on the other team, but like it's uh, it's wild. A lot of you just on foot. I'm on foot, my guy. Okay. All right. All I'm right. like golden guns yeah, right now. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. So yeah, I got a lot of catching up too. I downloaded the game. I played one match of it one day. I literally don't even remember how I performed in it. In, in it. And uh, I don't even think I was able to finish the game. I think I had to like quit for some reason. So um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll catch up catch up soon enough. Um, I'm gonna I'm yeah. definitely gonna be playing some Elden Ring. It, you know that game's got spectacular reviews, so I purchased it yep. before, but I haven't been able to play it yet. I just realized that the laptop that I'm recording this on is actually strong enough to play Dark Souls. So I just started playing Dark Souls to kind of warm up to the Souls games style. And uh, it's not easy. I beat this game. I beat several Souls games. And I'm still getting beat up by, like, easy people. So Elden Ring's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask you a favor uh, off... Um off the air but uh that just reminded me Elden Ring reminded me of something so uh if you don't have anything else you want to add for this week which is totally understandable um happy to uh have to sign off here all right yeah that's it all I gotta say is uh congratulations on the new job super exciting uh I hope it goes well appreciate it um yeah all right all right well I'm Reza 
I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. See everyone next week. Thank <laughs> you.